Welcome to the Gathering at Adel's Sermon of the Week. This message is by Pastor Jeff Hopkins. As you listen, we pray that you will be encouraged, empowered, and enriched. Thank you. God bless. You know, it's easy to say, Jesus, I love you. It's more difficult to show that love towards him to walk it out day in and day out. It's, uh, you know, we, we have a covenant relationship with him. If you remember when he was doing the Last Supper with his disciples on the night that he was handed over to suffering and to death, it, he, he gave them the body and the, or the, the, the bread and the wine, and he said, this is my body, this is my blood. He said, this is the blood of the new covenant. Whenever you do this, whenever you drink of this, you, it's for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you do this, do this in remembrance of me. We're, we're in this covenant relationship with him. One of the, there, there used to be like in the, in the Old Testament, you can, be, you can look through there and you'll see that there was actually a covenant making process to where two families would come into covenant with one another. And one of, the, one of the things that they would do, God made, made covenant with Abraham. If you remember, there, there was a, the, the time where they took the animal, split it, and then they, did the, they walked the figure eight through there. But one of, the, one of the steps of covenant would be where you would exchange the outer garments with the other person. You would exchange your weapons. And, and what you would do is you would take that outer garment off because what you were showing to him who you're making covenant with is, I'm not holding anything back from you. You can, you can see there's nothing hidden, I'm not crossing my fingers behind my back. I'm fully exposed to you. That's the part that's hard for us to be fully exposed to him, to walk into that covenant, into that place where we're continuing to remove that outer garment and say, Father, anything that you see, this is it. I'm not hiding anything else. I'm not crossing my fingers. I mean what I say. You have all that I have. It's fun to sing it on Sunday, but tomorrow, or maybe even on your way home, it's going to be difficult. So my encouragement to you is to dig into that. Let that song continue to sing in your heart. Jesus, I love you. When you you find that you're in a difficult spot, whether that's on the road or traveling to and from, maybe maybe you're hitting that new loop and you realize the speed limit is only 45 and there's the one guy that's actually doing the the speed limit, you know. Instead of that moment of becoming frustrated, you just get to go, Jesus, I love you. Your spouse lets you down again. Instead of being frustrated and telling them what you think they need to hear, what if you just expressed your love and devotion to the Father again and you just said, Jesus, I love you. Because if he's faithful to me, then he's faithful to them. We always want more grace towards us than we want to the other people. Is that not right? Maybe that's just me, but probably not. We're going to be in Galatians chapter 3. Starts off with a good one here. Uh, 
Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be reading uh, just 1 through 9, and we'll kind of cover a little bit of pieces all throughout here. But Galatians 3, 1, you can follow along with me. It should be up on the screen. It says, this is Paul writing, You foolish Galatians, who has cast a spell on you before whose eyes Jesus Christ was publicly portrayed as crucified? I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? Did you experience so much for nothing, if in fact it was for nothing? So then, does God give you the Spirit and work miracles among you by your doing the works of the law? Or is it by believing what you heard, just like Abraham who believed, and it was credited to him for righteousness? You know then that those who have faith, these are Abraham's sons. Now the scripture saw in advance that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and proclaimed the gospel ahead of time to Abraham, saying all the nations will be blessed through you. Consequently, those who have faith are blessed with Abraham who had faith. Man, what an encouragement, right? You turn that page, Paul's letter, and bam, you open up. It's like, you foolish Galatians. I mean, he starts off in, like at the first of the letter. No welcome, no hi. Just a brief, hey, this is Paul. I'm an apostle sent by God, not by man. What I have is not given to me by anyone else but the Spirit. And what have you done? You, who has bewitched you? Who has tricked you? I am so amazed and astonished that you have so quickly gone away from the gospel that I preach to you. And somebody's preaching you another gospel. And then he goes, not that there's even another gospel, but you're believing something else. And he goes through there, and he goes through chapter 2 of Galatians, and it's the same thing. And he gets to chapter 3, you foolish Galatians. Man, what an encouragement today, you know? You foolish Galatians. The, uh, the, the overall theme, I try to give it out several times throughout the message. So if I, you think I'm repeating myself, I'm not. There's no glitch in the matrix. I just want to try to get this back to you guys so you can understand. The main theme that we're going to be talking about today, it says the law demands obedience, but it leaves us entirely on our own as we struggle to obey. We must live in reliance on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. So we're in, this, we're in this letter where Paul is writing, hey, and not all the kids go back and it's cool. Like it doesn't, it really doesn't bother me. Is that my granddaughter? Oh my goodness. Get a hold on her. Man. She didn't act like that when she was with me yesterday. Just saying, you know, she was happy. <laughs> uh, I'm going to get in trouble for that one. Paul is writing to the church in Galatia because there are false teachers who have come through there and said, hey, the faith in Jesus Christ alone is not sufficient for salvation. That, that if you want to be saved, then what you need is you need to obey the law of Moses. You need to be circumcised. You need to follow the feasts and the festivals. And then have belief in Jesus. And that's where Paul is coming at them very upset and angry and astonished and amazed and calls them foolish. Because it's like you went from this freedom. He said, these people are coming to you 
that are enslaved by the yoke of legalism, and they're coming to you to steal that freedom that you have. And really what you have is you have these Jews that are now saved, and they're called Judaizers is what Paul refers to them as. And he says, these Judaizers are coming at you, and really what's wrong is they're mad. They're mad that faith in Jesus Christ is that easy. They, they think it is not fair. Man, is that not a phrase that gets thrown around too much nowadays? It's not fair. And that's what, the, that's what these people are doing. These false teachers are saying, it's not fair that I had to be circumcised and you don't have to. Right? That's a good, a valid argument. That's not fair. It's not fair that I have to do these festivals and these feasts and all of this and then you don't have to. It's not fair that I have to uphold all the laws of Moses and yet you don't have to. And he's mad. They're mad. And what they're doing is they're, they're trying to take what they are in is a yoke and of slavery to legalism. And they're trying to place it on them because they're upset. That faith is that easy. That walking with Christ is that easy. That's why Paul says it in Philippians. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I, I know it sounds like there should be so many more things that you have to do to be saved. But he says it's just by faith in Jesus Christ alone. We're saved by grace through faith so that no man can boast. Not by works. And they're mad. But do, do you remember, that's why Jesus, Jesus is telling a story in Matthew, Matthew 20, I believe. Jacob, you, you can fact check me on this. Matthew chapter 20, it's called the parable of the workers in the vineyard. And it says that, that Jesus was telling this parable to preach and to teach a point. And he said, hey, uh, this owner needed some workers. So he went out early in the morning, like 6 a.m., and he got workers. They needed more, so he went out at 9 and got more. He went out at noon and got more. He went out at 3 and got more. Then he went out at 5 o'clock and got the last round, and they worked. When it came time to settle up at 6 o'clock when the, the day was over, the owner said, hey, I, I want you, it's time to pay, and I want the ones who came last. To, we'll start with them, those guys that got here at 5. And, and he paid them a full day's wage. The guys at three, he paid them a full day's wage. At 12, full day, nine, full day. The, the, the workers that were at, there at six began to grumble and complain, and they said, that's not fair. We've been here since six, and we worked. And he said, my agreement with them has no bearing on you. And, he's, and then I love how he uses this point. He says, are you jealous because I'm generous? And how many times do we fall in that category ourselves that we're jealous because he's generous? When he blesses somebody so phenomenal in your life, man, that's just not right. That's not fair. When they get what we feel like we deserve. And that's where the, the Judaizers were is they, they wanted to keep that law because they thought that that was right and that's where you get salvation and anyone else has to do at least what we're doing because this is hard. They, they, didn't, do, they didn't want it because it was fun and easy. They didn't say, oh, hey, faith in Jesus is great, but come join us because this is going to be great. The law of Moses and circumcision is going to be fun. No, they, they knew because it was a lot and it was difficult. And so they were mad and they were jealous because God was so generous that he pours out the gift of salvation on all who believe. The law was given by God and it was good. I think sometimes the people who preach grace neglect to mention the fact that the law was good. 
It was given by God. Everything that God does is good. The law was good, but what happens is the law was temporary. Have you ever been in a season that was temporary and you wanted to extend that season and it no longer became good? Have you been at a job and you knew your last day was supposed to be this day and so you just decided, yeah, but I don't really know what else I'm going to do. And so then you work a little bit longer and then you realize, oh man, those people aren't good. This job is not good anymore. And we begin to think, man, what happened to the job? What, the job is the same. What happened is that season has run its course. And now you're, not, you're where you're not supposed to be. The law was temporary. And the law was good. The, the word says, actually in Galatians chapter 3, it says that, that the law was temporary until the seed that was promised came. The law served its purpose. And the law was good. But from this point forward... In Galatia, from that point forward to go back to the law, it was no longer good. And that's, that's where we are now. Where, when we want to go back to rules and regulations, it's not good. Not because it wasn't good, it's because it's not good for us now. It, it's like kids. Kids move out. And they're with you for a season, and parents, you know that, that time is short. And, but, but at some point, whether it's 18, 23, or 37, they, they're going to move out. And, and the, that season can last as however long you feel like, but for in the Hopkins household, it's closer to 18, not 37. Just saying, if there's anybody, where are all my kids? Well, one's out, but the rest are, they should hear that. It's closer to 18 in the Hopkins household, you know? But like... The kids are with you, and it's good. If they stay past when that season has ended, it's no longer good. It's the same thing with us, that, that we put our faith in Jesus Christ, and if we ever want to go back to the old way, it's no longer good. We now must put our faith in him and him alone not in a set of rules and regulations. The law is only words and rules. It, 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 it's cold and emotionless. Emotion, emotionless? I don't know. It's something. has no emotions. There you go. It's sad. I get paid to talk, and I can't do that sometimes. The law is words and rules. All it can do is inject into us thoughts of, to change our behavior. But it, it offers no life to where when we go into rules and regulations of what we have deemed Christianity and church and the way you're supposed to act and supposed to do things and what's supposed to happen. When we go into those things, all they can do is tell us how we're supposed to act, but they actually give us no ability to accomplish those things. The law is words and rules that demand that they get kept and obeyed. The law is external. It's outside of us. But when Jesus came, he put his spirit in us. And now not only does he, at where the law can only give us the thought to change our behavior, but Jesus gives us his spirit that now gives us the power to change that behavior, to change our hearts and our attitudes towards him. The law has no spirit, no life, and no power. 
religion has no spirit, no life, no power. Legalism has no spirit, no life, no power. That's what it says. I mean, the word says it, that the, the letter kills, but the spirit gives life. That life is in Christ Jesus, Romans 8, 1 and 2. But that the law is of sin and death. But in Jesus, there's both person and life. And he puts a spirit and life to the words and to the rules. I was going to read Hebrews. I think it's actually up on the screen. I don't have to turn there. Let's see. Hebrews 7, 18 and 19. It says, so the previous command is annulled because it was weak and unprofitable. For the law perfected nothing, but a better hope is introduced through which we draw near to God. The, the hope of going through Galatians is to point you to a place where you see that the gospel of grace is the only way. That the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. And any time that you find yourself going back into rules, laws, regulations, to condemnation, to the old way of doing things, that's when we need to be renewed to that. To the newness of the gospel of, the, of grace. The law demands obedience, but it leaves us entirely on our own, on our own as we struggle to obey. We must live in reliance on the presence and power of the Holy Spirit. The law demands obedience but offers no help. Jesus requires obedience to be a Christ follower. That's where people with the, that, that preach the hyper grace message and they, they, they leave off the fact that Jesus requires obedience. I, I do not get to do what I want to do. My, my role as a Christ follower is to obey everything that he says. Jesus said, I only do what the Father tells me to do, and I only say what the Father tells me to say. That's strict obedience. Where we have preached grace, and that means I get to do whatever I want because there's freedom, and there's forgiveness, and there's healing, and there's wholeness, and I can come back to him. That is absolutely wrong. We, we require obedience to be a Christ follower. How can one or two walk together if they're not in agreement? You think that you get to just walk in disobedience and, and Jesus is your homeboy and he's still right there with you? He's your friend? No, he's not. You, you walk away from him. It's your disobedience, not him. And you open yourself up to the attacks of the enemy. Jesus requires obedience to follow him. That's why he said, take up your cross and follow me. He didn't say that to be cute. He said it because you have to die to yourself. Your will, your desire, your hopes, your dreams are dead so that you can walk in obedience to him. We, we look at Jesus and we look, oh, the woman who was caught in adultery and he forgave her. But the last words that we know that he spoke to her, he said, now go and sin no more. He didn't say, hey, take that grace and there you go. Do whatever you want now. Go and sin no more. 1 John 5, 1 through 5. It'll probably be up on the screen. Listen to this. It says, everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father also loves the one born of him. This is how we know that we love God's children when we love God and obey his commands. For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. 
and his commands are not a burden because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. This is the victory that has conquered the world, our faith. Who is the one who conquers the world but the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Do do you get that right there in verse 3? For this is what love for God is, to keep his commands. We can say, Jesus, I love you, I love you, I love you. My heart, you're my heart's affection, devotion, all of those things. We can say all of those things. But the word says to love God is to obey him. He says, if you say that you love me, but you don't obey me, the word says, Jesus said, then you are a liar. If I get up here and I say, I love him so much, and I go out of this place and I treat my wife in such a way, I talk to my kids in such a way, I cheat on my taxes, I don't treat people well, then all I am is nothing more than a liar. Obedience is required to be a Christ follower. But where the law demands it but offers no help, we now live in, an, in the new covenant where Jesus requires obedience and yet, he gave, and yet he gave us his spirit so that we could obey him. Salvation is initiated and sustained by the Holy Spirit. Verses 2 and 3 in chapter, chapter 3, it says, I only want to learn this from you, which I don't think he really wants to. He's just saying that in a way. I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by the Spirit, are you now finishing by the flesh? He says that we started with the spirit and now we're trying to finish with the flesh. To go back to that, law, rules, and regulations, religion is to go back to the flesh. We are called to live by the power and in the presence of the Holy Spirit. You cannot do it on your own. As a Christ follower, that's why he said you you began with the spirit, but now you're trying to do it with the flesh? Are you foolish? Do you really think that you can do that? He said, didn't you suffer all of these things and it was for in vain? Because the Holy Spirit is what is necessary in order to live this life. You, I'll say me, I don't want to say it on you. I, in my own self, am not good enough. In my own ability, I cannot live a life that's pleasing to him. I cannot live a life that my family needs. I cannot be the person that God has called me to be by myself. I'm not good enough. If left to my own, I I will be the worst possible human. But through the power of the Holy Spirit, he renews me and regenerates my heart, makes me profitable and beneficial to my family. We will not be matured into who God has called us to be. And we will not accomplish what he has set out for us if we try to live through the flesh. And I really just tried to think of these things. What does it mean to live by the flesh? One, it's legalism. When I go back to, I want to, legalism, when you get down to it, you think it's like following rules and regulations. Legalism, when you get back to it, legalism says, I only care about people's perception of me. 
I focus on the outside, even though the inside is wasting away. That's what, that's what uh, Jesus told the Pharisees in Matthew chapter 23. He said, woe to you Pharisees, you are like whitewashed tombs, who on the outside you look good, but on, yet on the inside you're wasting away. There's death and decay. And legalism is all about that. We show up to church on Sunday. We've got the fish symbol on the back of our church, our, our uh, back of our car. We give that tithe check and we give it just enough so that people can see us giving it. We serve on all the ministries. We do all the things. But yet inside of us is death and decay because our heart is not being transformed and regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's okay. We're okay with that because all that matters is if I live by the flesh is that I want to make sure that everybody thinks that I'm doing good. Why, why, do, why when people ask you, hey, how are you doing? You're like, man, I'm great. You, you, you can't appear to be not great. Can't be appear, you can't appear to not be doing good. I mean, the whole world is crumbling, and you're like, it's great. Me and my wife haven't spoken three weeks. Not, this is hypothetical, not me, right? <laughs> Who could blame her, though? But like, me and my wife haven't spoken in three weeks. Hey, how's, how's your day? Oh, it's going great. Because that's legalism, that's trying to live by the flesh. Because what happens if you were to actually open up? First of all, they'd be like, okay, sorry, didn't mean to, you know, let me, let me direct you to a pastor, they'll help you. Because what would happen if we actually opened up and said, man, I'm really struggling right now? That would be living according to the flesh, or to the spirit, not according to the flesh. Because the flesh wants to put this persona of, hey, everything's okay. Don't, don't look too closely at me. But man, what, what a beautiful day. I mean, if, if you don't desire things that are hidden to be brought to light, I, I'm sorry. It's a beautiful thing to desire hidden things to be brought to light because that's where the true freedom happens. We, I live by the flesh through my self-righteousness. I think good moral deeds will get me there. I think if I, just, if I just act good enough, that's living by the flesh. To think that you can earn your way into heaven. How about this one? Reliance on my own wisdom. When I live according to the flesh, that means that I rely on my own wisdom where I don't consult him. Where there's a big decision and, and we're, we would rather see what this person says. Let's see what... Uh, Warren Buffett says about investing before I ask the Lord where I should. Where, where I consult my buddy on if I should take this job or not instead of asking the Lord. Or I go, oh, this sounds right, this sounds good. When we live according to the flesh, that means that we are neglecting the leadership and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. Because we think at the root core of all of that, we think that we know what's best for us. So why ask him? Or, or we know that if we ask him, we know what he'll say. When I live according to the flesh, I live according to fear and worry. Fear and worry is living in the flesh. If we are constantly afraid and worried about what's going to happen, how the bills are going to get paid, if this person likes me or not, or if anyone's going to show up at church today, if they're, they're tired of me, whatever. Like, if we, when we... Live according to the flesh, we will allow fear and worry to take over. We'll seek validation from others. That's living, from, that's living in the flesh. When I need to be validated, 
by people showing up on Sunday, I, I've missed it. When, when I need to be validated by my wife, then I'm seeking something that can only be come from the Father. Because I want to be validated by my wife so that my flesh feels good. But when we get validation from the Father, then our soul is at rest. If you live for the praises of men, then you will die when they don't come. Maybe I just covered this one. Failure to confess and repent. We would rather hide than have everything out in the open. When we ignore the Holy Spirit, when we neglect him. Because what we're saying is, I know what's best. I know what's right. And he says, are you so foolish that you started with the Spirit and now you're trying to finish with the flesh? The Holy Spirit is the gift of God. He, he was given to us for us to walk in this life without him means that you will always fall short of who he's called you to be. You, you can be a good person. You can live a good life. You can, you can do all the things, but you will never reach your full potential without the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit by our faith in Jesus Christ. Living a life of communion with the Holy Spirit enables us to please God. I think when you look right there, it says in verse 2, I only want to learn this from you. Did you receive the Spirit by the works or by works of the law or by believing what you heard? You see that, that when we believe in Him, He pours His Spirit out on us. But it doesn't end there. It's not like, okay, he pours the spirit out on us, we're full, we're done. There, there is a continual feeling that has to happen. Because otherwise you will run dry very quickly. And, and, and you, can, you can run dry of the Holy Spirit for a variety of reasons. I was just trying to think of like things. What, what causes us to run dry? There's, in my mind there was three negative, one positive. But the negative would be disobedience. When he calls you to something and you don't do it, sin, distractions, maybe there's four, neglecting that relationship. When you're not pouring into the relationship and allowing him to pour into you, you run dry very quickly. But the good one, too, is like if you're pouring into others, if you're ministering to one another, if you're breathing life into another family, into, into moms like, like Lisa's doing with quivers, like when you pour out what he's giving you, then you have to be filled up again. And I think what happens is we receive that initial filling and we go, okay, I'm good. But we have to continually day in and day out and say, Lord, fill me up. Even if you don't feel dry, you say, fill me up. What if we treated God filling us up with the Holy Spirit like we treat the waiters and waitresses if they don't fill us up. You know, you're like, hey, that, that could better never run dry. You, you know, you, you've been with a person that says that, at, and you're like, oh, gosh, this is horrible. Hey, can I, we're just going to leave, you know. But they're like, adamant, that thing, uh, you know. What if we were like that with the Father? What if we said, Lord, I want it to never run dry. Fill me up continually. Continually. 
The law demands obedience, but it leaves us entirely on our own as we struggle to obey. We must live in reliance on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. Here's, there's like a lot of things with the Holy Spirit, but here's, here's what I came up with on why do we need the Holy Spirit when we're going to end with these two, four, six things. You ready? Why, why, why are we going through Galatians? Why, why are we talking about this? Why are we saying, okay, you've got to have the Holy Spirit? One, because the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin and unrighteousness. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you those blind spots that you don't even know about. The Holy Spirit will go, hey, that's, that's really not a good way to speak to your wife. That, that doesn't honor her. Or you thought that joke was funny, but nobody else did. The, the way that you drive, it's not really honoring you know, I mean, like, like the Holy Spirit is there. Don't be looking at anybody, right? That's uh, you're, you're not the Holy Spirit in this room, all right? Just let him do that, <laughs> you know? Uh, the Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. He brings light to the darkness. And why is that important? Because it brings the freedom that we so desperately need and desire that we don't even know how to get sometimes. He, he brings a regeneration and a renewal of our hearts. I think there are actually scriptures. Did I put the scriptures up there? You want to do that first one, John 16? Is that up there? When he comes, that way you, my wife is always like, throw the scripture references up there so they know that you're not just making it up. So she's in the nursery today. I'm not making it up. You'll hear scripture, but you'll just have to catch the reference. But there you go. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin because they do not believe in me, about righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will no longer see me, and about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. But he will convict us of sin and unrighteousness. The next one here, regeneration and renewal. This is a great one. But when the kindness of God our Savior and his love for mankind appeared, he saved us, not by works of righteousness that, he, that we had done, but according to his mercy through the washing and regeneration and renewal, washing of regeneration and renewal by the Holy Spirit. That the Holy Spirit, not only does he just like bring freedom to us, but he continually washes us in regeneration and renewal. That to where no longer that we have to hold on to the things of the past. That our old way, It's that two-step process of like repentance, where you repent. Repent means to change your thinking. And the Holy Spirit changes the way that you think about this. So so if you have to repent for uh, not being uh, a good steward of your money, and and you go, man, I really like shoes, and I spent too much money on shoes. And so you say, Lord, I'm sorry for spending too much money on shoes. The Holy Spirit then goes, hey, I'm going to change the way that you view yourself, that you think that you have to have validation from others through your shoes. Whatever y'all's might be, that is mine, right? (laughs) But the Holy Spirit changes the way that we see things so that we can have that freedom that we so desire. He, He changes the way we view people. When, when, you know, whatever, somebody somebody offends us. I'm not going to say anybody in this room because I love all y'all guys and none of y'all have ever offended me. Or not right now, currently. But when we're offended at someone and we say, man, Lord, I don't, I, I really had some bad thoughts about that person. 
you repent, he forgives you, but then the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but hey, have you seen this in this person? Have you seen the way that they love their family? Have you seen the way that they care for you? They've given up. You know, he, he changes that, so he changes our heart. The Holy Spirit is crucial to that. Uh, third one is an empowerment for our mission. Look at this, Acts chapter 4, 31. When they had prayed, the place where they were assembled was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God boldly. The Holy Spirit empowers us to live out the mission that he's called us to. The mission that we are called to, all of us, the Great Commission, to go into all the world, preaching him, baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, making disciples. That, that's what we're here for. Like, we're not here to build our own kingdom, but yet without the Holy Spirit, we will not be empowered to do it. We will not, because the Holy Spirit will allow us to boldly proclaim it to where we would have stayed back. I mean, they even said it about the disciples. Remember, after the Holy Spirit came on them, they were like, wait, weren't these the guys that were just like the knuckleheads with them? And they're like, yeah, the Holy Spirit empowered them and it made them bold to proclaim the, the news. John 14, 26, it says, but the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. He's there for our guidance. He, he says, oh, go back to that one, sorry. He says that the Father will send, will send in my name, will teach you all things. He will teach you all things. You, anything that you need to know, he will teach you. And then I love how it says, and he will remind you of everything that I have told you. I, I wrote this, it's probably just for me, but you don't know it all. You need the Holy Spirit to teach you. The next one is unity in the church. Why do we need the Holy Spirit? Because the, the Holy Spirit is what unifies us. It says, for just as the body is one and has many parts, and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. For we are, we're all baptized by one spirit into one body, whether Jews or Greeks, whether slaves or free, and we were all given one spirit to drink. Indeed, the body is not one part, but many. The Holy Spirit is what is so desperately needed, not just in the body of Christ, like in this church, but also in our relationships with one another. Because the Holy Spirit levels the playing field. It says, whether Jew or Greek, no matter the race, it says this in Galatians chapter 2, whether, whether free or slave, so no matter what class, whether male or female, so no matter what gender, you see that the Holy Spirit says, hey, it doesn't matter, but we're here for unity. You will not find unity in your relationships apart from the Holy Spirit. You, you, can, you can have what you think is peace, but it's really you just swept it under the rug and you're not talking about it. And as soon as somebody says something else, you bring it all right back out. There it is. Oh, yeah. And then on December the 7th, you said this too. Because you just keep it running in your head. You got that list. But the Holy Spirit goes, man, you don't need that. Change the way you think about them. Let me renew and regenerate your heart. Let's bring unity into the body, into your relationships. And the last one is he is your comforter. This last uh, John 14, 16, I think. Yeah, 14, 16. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another counselor uh, or it says another comforter to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is there to be our comforter. 
I was with uh, one of the guys that plays drums. Josh calls him the loud drummer. Uh, Bucky and his wife, Delisha, had a baby yesterday. And, uh, you know, we were at the hospital with them. They had, they had a baby la- uh, Friday night, and everything went pretty well. And then about 4.30 in the morning, uh, lungs were kind of struggling a little bit for uh, baby Easton is his name. And so uh, they decided to be best. They were at a birthing center. They decided to be best to go to Cook's uh, at 4.30 th- yesterday morning. And so just get him hooked up. He's, on, he's uh, in the NICU right now. NICU, NICU, whatever. How do you say it? Nurses. There you go. Uh, and so he, his oxygen levels are doing well. Uh, his blood sugars are good. Every, all the numbers look really good right now. But what I was encouraged about and why we're going to, that wasn't just a tangent. He's the comforter because you sit in, in this room, in this NICU, NICU, and you're looking at Jonathan and Talisha, and they're, they're comforted. They're not worried. Talisha had a baby like it was less than 12 hours before that or right at 12 hours, and you're like, she looked phenomenal. You're like, what in the world? Because, because their reliance is on the Holy Spirit, and he comforted any fear, any doubt, any worry, because they're there. But when you die to the flesh and you live by the Spirit, it goes, man, Lord, I trust you. I, I don't know how, because I've been in hospital rooms where they're not Christ followers. It's hard. You can feel the darkness in that room, and, and it's not like a, ooh, it's, it, you can just feel a heaviness and a weight and a burden. You never know what you're going to get into when you walk into, into the, that room. And I mean, I come around the corner, and I walk in there, and I mean, Bucky is just hold, holding Easton. He's all strapped up to things. Grayson's playing on his phone. Talisha's just like chilling. Like, I mean, just, and you're like, what joy it is to walk into a room because I know they have the Holy Spirit. I know they're leaning on him because he is the comforter. You're going to go through a lot. I mean, that's, that's what Paul even says right here. He's like, did, did you experience so much for nothing? Was that all in vain? You're going to go through a lot and you're going to have to have the Holy Spirit. Because they're gonna, there's going to be a day where you're going to maybe call Jeff and Jeff's going to be like, I can't get there right away. But you have the Holy Spirit to comfort you. So how do we respond? How, how, how do you take this message? That, that's the goal. The goal isn't to come here and listen to me talk. The goal is to go, okay, Lord, what, what can I take from today that I can put into practice tomorrow that is going to change eternity for my family? So I'm going to say, is there anything that you go back to that is no longer good? You see, because even though in Egypt it was slavery, but at that time it was good. He brought them out into the desert, and the desert was good until he brought them to the promised land. But where they messed up is when they were in the desert, and they said, hey, we would rather go back to Egypt. At least we had this and that. He said, Egypt's no longer good, man. I got something else for you. But is there something that you go back to? A way of thinking, a way of talking, a way of coping that is no longer good for you. 
that when we talked about living according to the flesh, legalism, self-righteousness, reliance on my own wisdom, fear and worry, validation from others, failure to confess and repent and to ignore the Holy Spirit. Does anything in there go, man, that's it right there. You nailed it. Don't make something up. Don't be like, oh, yeah, I better I'll raise my hand for that one. No. But if the Holy Spirit said, yeah, hey, this one right here, what about this one? We're going to have a moment to take care of that. And then after hearing about the Holy Spirit and what it would be like to walk according to that, is there something in you that goes, man, I feel like I've been running dry. I feel like I could be refilled, topped off. The law demands obedience, but it leaves us entirely on our own as we struggle to obey. We must live in reliance on the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to close my eyes. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask that you do the same thing and ask yourself those questions. Is there something that I'm going back to? Is there any area in my life where I'm relying on my flesh? And is there any area in, in my life where I want to see the Holy Spirit more and I just need a fresh feeling of Him? If you feel like you need a fresh feeling of Him, just ask Him. He's generous. He pours it out. So, Father, we just come before you today. We just submit our hearts to you. As we ask ourselves, or, or Holy Spirit just reveals those things to us. Father, is there anything that, that I'm going back to that's not good for me anymore? Is there any area, any attitude, any thoughts, any way of life that I'm living according to the flesh? And then just ask, your, ask yourself, evaluate that. And if you want a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit, all you have to do is just say, Father, I just pray that you would fill me up so that I can pour out more of you. So, Father, we just come to you today and with a heart that says, Jesus, we love you. Anything that you say to us in this moment, we will obey. For your kingdom, for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I think there are a couple of announcements I'm supposed to say. One is, uh, yeah, it doesn't go up there. Oh, okay. So every year we do like instant, mat like, all the churches in the area, they get together a different item and they collect it for Center of Hope and they put together a Thanksgiving basket. So the basket will not just have instant mashed potatoes, thankfully, but they have all the other ingredients other churches are partnering with. So we are up for 150 boxes of instant mashed potatoes. I figure that's pretty easy. Add it to your grocery pickup. They even deliver it, whatever. Y'all can do that. That's simple. 150 now through October the 29th. Also, camp out is in two weeks. I have exhausted my oxygen on telling you guys about this. Y'all should know everything that you need to know about the camp out. I will be there Friday night and most of the day Saturday, mainly for the free food and fishing. So that I don't have to cook like I ever have to cook anyways, but still. Uh, and then also family nights. We've been talking about that. We started in September. Classes for all ages. Love to have you guys here. I know schedules are difficult and uh, it's hard to get up here, but I promise you, you will enjoy it. And if you're not here, we're talking bad about you. So get here. <laughs> Love you guys. No, no, we're really not.
Lydia might, but I'm not. 